You may remain standing for our scripture reading. The scripture reading that you see there in your bulletin, the order of service, I will read about a fourth of that and for our text for this morning's message. Here we have in this particular passage of scripture, the very opening paragraph of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, as most of you know, is probably in addition to being a circulatory letter, it was an, or, an oration or a, a sermon delivered by the author. And these are the opening verses. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Our Advent series is composed of looking at several Christmas carols, all of which speak of the kingship, the royal rule of Christ, the king's carols. Today we look at, O Come, All Ye Faithful. This song, the best we can tell, was written sometime in the middle of the 18th century. It was found in the possession of John Francis Wade, who's listed in your hymnal as the author. More than likely, he was the author of the words. He was a layman who lived in Douai, France, and he made his living by copying and selling the music. Um, he wrote the stanzas, but the refrain, as we saw in a carol a couple of weeks ago, Angels We Have Heard on High, the refrain is a Latin hymn, a Latin hymn refrain. And it says, O come, all ye faithful. And the title of the tune and what we have sung often was Adeste Fidelis. And we all know what Fidelis is, the Fide, the faithful. And I wondered what that word adeste meant. And it's been a long time since I took Latin in high school, but I did. And we sang the hymns in Latin club in Latin. So I pulled out my little high school Latin dictionary to look up the word adeste. And it said, simple definition, come here, exclamation mark. That's exactly the way it was in the Latin dictionary. And that's exactly what it is. It's a summons. It's an order. It is an invitation, but it's more. It's saying immediately now, come here, you faithful ones. And the refrain that is repeated over and over in the song is, oh, come, 
let us adore Him. O come, let us adore Him. O come, here now, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. The very last line of the fourth stanza, and we'll sing this at the conclusion of our service this morning. It says, Jesus to Thee be all glory given. Jesus, to Thee be all glory given. And that's what I want us to do this morning in the time that we have. I want us to just come, come here and adore the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are many passages in the Bible that help us do that. A lot of them are from the Old Testament. Many of them are quoted in the rest of your scripture reading there. The Psalms especially that magnify the Son of God. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The one who is in human flesh. The great mystery of the incarnation. How that the great God of the universe, the majesty on high, could condescend into humanity and become fully human and retain all the attributes of deity. The second person of the Trinity, the Son, the parallel form that we see in our call to worship is that passage that says unto us a child is born that's the huma humanity of Jesus a little child in the in the manger we saw that last week what was the little baby doing there what was the little baby going to do why must that little baby have a human body it's in order that he might die and shed his blood and suffer in our place but the next part of the parallelism is a son is given. The deity of Christ. Given. He existed from all eternity, but he is bestowed upon us as the greatest gift. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So we come to adore him, there's no better place than to just sort of briefly walk through and take a look at one of the great Christological passages in the New Testament, which is before us. These are seven things that are said about Christ. And I will try to condense and summarize, but most of you are believers. Most of you will know everything I say this morning already. This may not be a teaching moment. But I want you to enjoy it. I want you to relish it. I want you to think about it and let it saturate your soul. Your whole mind needs to grasp once again these enormous truths about our Savior. It says that He has appointed the heir of all things. God the Father has an heir. Like any father would have a son who would be the rightful heir. And He would bestow to the Son all things. And that's exactly what he did in Psalm 2, verses 7 and 8. The father says to the son, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage, the ends of the earth 
your possession. The Father has bestowed an inheritance upon his Son, and that inheritance is the world, the universe, all that is in it. But most importantly, that inheritance is the redeemed, the people of his choosing. He has given them the nations for an heritage. You remember that was the great temptation recorded in Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus was beset in the wilderness by Satan. Satan knew that. Satan knew this truth. He knew that Jesus was the heir of all things. That's why he tempted Jesus with this. Satan showed Jesus the kingdoms of the world and their glory and said, all this I will give to you if you worship me. And the great obedience of Christ was that he did not worship Satan. He rebuked Satan. And he said, you shall worship the Father, the Lord God only, and him shall you serve. All things were created for him, the Bible says. The whole of the universe, the vastness of the universe and the intricacy of the human person is all gifted to the Son. It belongs to Him as a special treasure. And not only had He been gifted all things, but He redeemed and restored all things. The next phrase says, talking about Jesus, the Son, through whom also He created the worlds. There's a few words that need to be defined a little bit. The word that's translated worlds is the ages. It really has to do with the creation of space and time. All has been created by him. John says in John 1, 3, all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. By him, all things were created in heaven and earth visible and invisible, thrones and dominions, rulers and authorities. And the book of Proverbs tells us something about this creation. Christ was active. He was the active agent in creation. He is the wisdom of God, the logos of God. And he was the one that thought it all through and brought it into being. Jesus the divine wisdom, the active agent in creation. God spoke all of creation into existence. And that word he spoke is Christ, the logos, the word, the wisdom of it all, the power of it all. That's why when we struggle with our young people and even in our own hearts to try to understand creation as opposed to some evolutionary concepts. It's vital that we do so because the creation is the starting place for us to worship. It doesn't matter whether we're a true believer or not. The earth is here and all that's in it and it all belongs to the Lord and he created it and we owe him a debt of homage and adoration. 
Come, let us adore him. The Son. The next phrase says, He's the radiance of the glory of God. The brightness of the glory. The word that's used is kind of tough sometimes to pronounce and understand is the word effulgence. It's light. It's that radiance that shines forth from a source. It means to emit brightness, light of lights. Phos ek photos, light coming forth from light. The Bible says all of this actually proceeds from the Father. Jesus is the beams of the glory of God. He's not merely the reflection of God's glory, but he is the actual essence of the glory of God, the radiance of the brightness of God. And we see this just sort of pictured from time to time. Moses desired to see God and God showed him just a bit, just a bit of the shadowy and enshrouded brightness. The scriptures say that the Lord is enshrouded in light. He is so bright that he has to cover up his brightness with light. In creation's order, let there be light was the beginning of all the creation. In fact, the scripture says that that's who Jesus is. We see it on the Mount of Transfiguration where Moses got to see another glimpse of this glory of God. St. John tells us that this is the light of man, the true light that lights every man. It's the light of life. And Jesus claims when he healed the blind man, he said, I am the light of the world. And his prayer was after 30 something years, maybe about 33 years of living in the realm of darkness, he pleaded in the garden, the darkest hour, that the Lord, the Father, would glorify him. Glorify me with that glory which I had with you before the world existed. It's interesting that a lot of false religions emphasize light. In fact, many of the ancient pagan religions, the Babylonian religion, Egyptian, the Aztec, the Mayan, they were sun worshipers. The brightest light in our perspective is the sun in the sky and they would they would had some innate primal vestige of the glory of God and the best they could come was the sun and of course they worshiped that creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever some people don't get around to worship in the sun they worship the moon god that's islam by the way that's what the crescent is it's worshiping the reflected light, the light that really has no source of its own, the light which can come under eclipse at times. Today, <laughs> I think we worship the inner light. That's kind of the essence of the New Age religion without realizing that Christ is the light of the gospel and it's seen in the face of Jesus Christ, the Son. The fourth phrase there it says, the exact imprint of God's nature. Once again, we need to kind of look carefully at a couple of words. It means the express image of the person that Christ bears the very stamp of God's nature. The word is the word character or character. And it really refers to a, an engraving tool 
that makes a mark, a stamp, a die, an impress. Sometimes this word is used icon in the New Testament, but it is the stamp, the die, the imprint, the exact imprint of the nature of God. Notice what's being said. Another word that's used is on the word on the nature of God is the word hypostasis. You don't get very far in first year theology and seminary without struggling a little bit with the hypostasis. It means the essence, the reality, the real essence, the basis. So that's what Jesus says. He's the, the stamp, the imprint, the exact character of the substance and the reality and the real essence of God the Father. We see God's glory in the effulgence of the light that Christ emits. But we see the substance in that inner impress. That's what God is doing in Christ. He's giving us an exact representation, an embodiment of His substance, an exact imprint of His nature. That's what the incarnation is all about. The infinite and the invisible God becomes limited and visible and knowable in the Son. Jesus said, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. To see Christ is to see God. That's why God told Moses, don't make any graven image. Don't make any imprint. Don't make any stamp. Don't make any icon. I've got one in mind. I'm going to show him to you in time. The true graven image of God, the true character of God is Jesus Christ. Scripture also says in the very next phrase that the Son upholds the universe by the word of His power. This is different from what it said a moment ago about Him being the Creator. This is now talking about His work in sustaining that universe, upholding all things by the word of His power. Once again, we need to kind of notice the Greek words that are used in this phrase. The word pharaoh, which means to bear, to hold up, or carry a load. We get our word ferry. It ferries a load across a body of water. He bears, he holds up all things. And panta, all things, and often that's thought of as all things. It's the universe. It's the collective of everything that God has created. It says that Jesus is the one that holds that up, holds that together, sustains that. And the word is what sustains it. It's called a word of power, a powerful word. It's the word rhema for word, not the word logos, the word rhema. And the rhema of God is the, the spoken word that's powerful, that's an effective. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me, boy, but it shall go and accomplish the purpose whereto I sent it. It's that living, dynamic, creative utterance which called the world into beginning is also that utterance that holds the world together. 
book of Hebrews says later on, the world was created by the word of God. And it's that same word for word. That which is seen is made of things which do not appear. In him, all things hold together. It says in Colossians, the sustaining utterance which holds the universe together. Interesting thing, gravity. What is gravity? You'll get a definition maybe, depending on how far you go in your study of physics, but it's the tendency of two bodies to be attracted to one another in the heavens. We look at the gravitational feature of a little cell in the atomic complex with neutrons and protons and all of that sort of thing. You can define it by observation, but you can't tell me what it is. You can't tell me how a huge planet stays in an orbit to a huge heavenly body like the sun. It does, and it is a consistency and a uniformity and an order and an intricacy beyond measure. That's, that's Christ. The one who said, let there be, says, let there continue to be. He holds it all together. He upholds the universe by his powerful word. And then it says, the next phrase talking about the son, oh come, let's adore him. After making purification for sin, we've gone from his work in creation to his work in redemption. From his goodness over all to his grace toward his own. After making purification for sins, when he had by himself purged our sins, says the King James. Once again, we need to look at a couple of words. One is that word for cleansing. It means a catharsis, a thorough washing, an absolute purging, a cleansing. And it says he did this for sins. Sin is that poisonous substance that is within our soul that will surely bring us to death, that puts us under condemnation, that gives us no hope whatsoever. It is absolutely fatal in every case in its infection, sin, the vile attitudes and actions and thoughts and deeds that bring corruption to our soul and condemnation to our whole lives. The Bible says we're condemned already. Yet, it speaks here of one, the Son, who makes purification for sin, cleansing for sin, uses a purgatory agent that washes white as snow. And that's the blood of Christ. Cleanses us from all sin. 
It's interesting, the word is, says he made after making purification for sins. That word is a word that means a work, a work of craftsmanship. In fact, a masterpiece. It's the same word that's used in Ephesians where it says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. It's also the same word that's used up there where it says he made the heavens and the earth in the creation. It means to accomplish, to work. Two things that Jesus did in his making, in his workmanship, in his craftsmanship, in his accomplishment, is he made the world and then he made purification for the sins of the world. By one offering, the offering of himself, Christ is our priest as we've seen, he is our sacrifice, and he has shed his blood as a purging agent. And when he was done, when it was finished, the Bible says he sat down. Poor old Aaron never got to sit down. If you read the Old Testament, Aaron stood at the altar, stood in the presence of the Lord, stood before the altar, made the sacrifice, and he was standing because there was always work to be done. There was more blood that needed to be shed. There were more sins that needed to be remitted. But not in the case of Christ. When he had purged our sins, he sat down. It was finished. Everything for your salvation had been accomplished. All that remains now for you is to seize upon it, to trust it, to come with empty hands and grasp it and receive it, to cling to it till you die. The salvation that he has given. It says he sat down at the majesty on high. Jesus said when he was on trial, and that would be a tough place to preach a sermon, I would think, standing there before Pilate and Herod and the Sanhedrin and all these very vaunted authorities that had incredible power in that day. And Jesus said before these, from now on the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. For you see, he fulfilled perfectly that Psalm 110, which is quoted later in our passage this morning. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. This seatedness is an exaltation. It's to be high and lifted up. It is a formal, dignified act. It is to assume a throne. It is to be granted a throne and to cover that throne with a majesty. It's just an indicator of the person that sits upon it. The Bible says in Ephesians that he ascended far above all heavens in Philippians that God has highly exalted him. He is now lifted up, exalted in his resurrection, in his ascension, and in his enthronement, a threefold exaltation according to Isaiah chapter 52. And he's placed upon that place of highest honor 
at the right hand of the majesty, and the majesty on high is a, is a word for God. It's one of those many uh, euphemisms that we see in Scripture that, that talk about God the Father Almighty. The root word there is the word mega, big, large, majesty. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Who do you know that is like the Son? Who but Christ can fulfill all of this? Who but our Lord and Savior would be so magnificent as to be high and lifted up, but would be so humble to come and to endure a strawy manger and hang on an old splintery cross for us men and women. I love the Nicene Creed, but they need to get up to date. <laughs> for us people, mortals, weak. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord.